Welcome, everybody. I'm Ollie. And I'm Jess. And we're doing Judging Nerd Culture. <laughs> uh, but today is special. We're doing it with someone other than just us. I would like you all to meet Russ. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Russ. Uh, I'm the GM of Prism Pals, a D&D podcast full of queer people and all ages. Um, yeah, and I'm guesting today. Hello. Also, use they, them <laughs> pronouns, just so you know. Cool. So, uh... Before we start talking about the, the, the piece of wonderful media we're going to be chatting about, uh, which is Yuri on Ice, which I'm sure everyone read in the title, because that's just how I title things, <laughs> uh, we're going to ask Rusk a few uh, questions so that our audience can get to know him a little better, yeah. and his mm -hmm. audience, who happens Them. to be watching, can get to know him a little better, too. Them. <laughs> Them. That's on me. I'm so sorry. Uh, all right. So, Russ. Yes. Where are you from? Like, what do you do? Who are Russ? So are... I am from like the greater Philadelphia area. So I live a little bit outside of the city, but I've grown up here. I've lived here my entire life. Um, otherwise, being who am I? What do I do? I like I have a degree in biochemistry, a bachelor's degree. I work a nine-to-five, and then on the side, I do D&D &D and tabletop RPG things, so I run a podcast, I'm on streams, I talk about queer culture and POC culture when it comes to being marginalized in those communities, and a lot of different things. I, I've got my fingers in a lot of different things. Yeah, the more fingers and more pots you got, the easier it is to do something, and something yeah. will come out of it. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned that you've done, an, uh, you know, a lot of little projects here and there. I know uh, Prism Pals. Are there any other major projects that you're particularly fond of, that you're proud of? Uh, so, a project that's actually coming out, I believe this month, is Unbreakable. Uh, it is a D&D &D anthology full of different um asian inspired adventures um i wrote a tier three adventure called the lost rathi which i'm very proud of um and that's coming out sometime in february actually no february already finished i totally forgot about that it's probably coming out of march <laughs> never mind i've lost track of time it's all right we had an extra time is relative <laughs> exactly we had an entire extra day in february who knows what time is yeah Oh, no, I have no idea. It's a construct. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like the big project that's coming out soon. Uh, besides that, we did like a Pride Week for Prison Pals last year that I'm still like so proud of. And I'm very excited for this year's Pride Week to see what happens. Um, we're currently in the stages of planning and it is very busy and very hectic. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of D&D &D stuff, because you're really involved in that, mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering, what's some of the best parts <laughs> of doing D&D projects, like podcasting, and what's just some of the most grueling? <laughs> like, what's the difficulties that you've found so far? So I would say that the best part is just... Because it's just like a game with your friends. Like, I, the people who are in the cast are people who I'm friends with. And though I may not have met them very often in real life, besides like one or two of them, it, it's a game with your friends. And seeing the moments where they get really excited or they get really happy about something and seeing them like their eyes like a glow with joy and stuff is just so great. 
And then there's also the fact that, like, we have a Discord and we have listeners in there who it'll be, like, a random Tuesday and then I check the Discord and everyone's like, last week's episode was great and also, I love everyone here and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, it's so positive, it's so happy and, like, just knowing that we've created this little community is very nice. The most grueling part is scheduling. Just because we're all adults with our own lives and trying to schedule a time for four people to meet for two hours every week can sometimes be difficult. And it just gets frustrating because we're all trying to, like, get it done, but also focus on other things. So that's, like, the biggest issue when it comes to Prison Pals and that project. Uh, It's just the most stressful part is trying to record. And sometimes editing can be a little stressful just because while all of us can edit, we're all not as good as our lead editor who can like bang out an episode in like three hours. Meanwhile, the rest of us like tut along like turtles trying to finish an episode over a day. Um, So, yeah, that's another difficult part of the whole thing. Yeah, editing becomes a, a bit of a... An experience you have to build your own like habit with it mm-hmm. to the point where i'll listen uh, the way i edit my stuff is just i'll play a video game and play the thing just a little bit faster and whenever something comes up mark it mark it <laughs> leave a note and then once it's all done i go back and just do the quick editing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, for me the thing is that like i need something auditory to be happening but the problem is i can't like listen to music while i edit it just doesn't work like, mm-hmm. I don't pay attention to it. Because, like, I need a million things going on to focus properly. So, Work. it's just, like, editing is a pain in the butt. I can do it, and I, I'm good at it, in the sense of just, like, I can get it done on time, and it won't sound disgusting. But it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think, like, I personally find that you've done a great job with Prism Pals and a lot of your other projects. I know that you've done some stuff with uh uh rise of demigods that's where i first heard your name and i was like who's this fucko let's go check him out and uh, (laughs) that i did (laughs) that's that's how i do my job but uh i find that you've done a pretty successful job made a pretty decent podcast uh we've only had interactions with a few fans here and there and it's been very fun and i understand what you were saying like to have a group of people who go hey I love this. That was really cool. That's got to be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, what do you consider to be like success, especially in terms of the projects you've been doing? So success is one of those things that's very difficult to define because everyone has their own like barrier to success or like their own expectation. Personally, I came into the project and I came into the show and everything with the thought process that if this helps one person... If one person feels less alone, less by themselves, then I've succeeded. So that's been my mindset for all of this. And from what I can tell, I've succeeded already. And it's just doing it because I enjoy it now. Um, We have people who say that they enjoy our show, that our show has made their day better. And so for me, I think I've already done most of my job and now it's just keeping it up and seeing where I can go with it. That is a wonderful metric for success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Making people feel good. <laughs> I think uh, when we got our first, like, not hate comment, but, like, our first, like, negative thing, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but we made it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We did it. <laughs> See, that's the complete opposite of me, where, like, we got one bad comment, and I was like, who are you? Let's fight. <laughs> like so they'll see <laughs> like we legitimately received one like two star review on itunes but they didn't leave an actual comment they just rated us two stars and i like went to the cast and i was like who is this person why didn't they leave a comment i want to know what they were mad about tell me what you were mad about it's a mystery if you're gonna have the gumton to leave a two star put some input say some shit talk at me and like if it's because you're a homophobe, great. Just let me know so I can discard the review and not care about it. Exactly. Uh, we've we put I I put a lot of uh, my political opinion into all the things that I do and watch and say, oh, and uh, I've expected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've expected a lot more. I don't know uh, anger than I've than ever, but nothing. Just a few like. Meh. Like, that's literally the one negative thing, and I'm honestly surprised. Mm-hmm. Me too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we did get some negative things when we first started. Just, like, people who kind of knew about our show and, like, were trying to give us advice that was completely, like, unsolicited and, like, not asked for, not, like, we had never spoken to those people in that capacity before. And honestly, some of it was just rude. And I was just like, I get that you're in the community and you do things too, but this was not requested. Um, That's like the only real like negative commentary we've ever had is just like people in the community who've said things and we've been like, um, okay, thank you, <laughs> I guess. I'm glad that's what you want to do, but here's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, do you want to uh, throw this question out for him? Uh, sure. Uh, so if you were, like, truly famous and, uh, heaven forbid, you were to, like, die and people were like, Russ, the, the person who was known for blank, what would you hope to be known for? I would hope to be known as, like, one of those people who walks into the room and the room gets brighter. Not in a physical sense, like, oh, no, I can't see, but in a, like, (laughs) it feels happier, it feels more joyous. That would be the thing that I would want to be known for. That'd be pretty cool. bringing joy to people, because I think that that's, like, it's a way that we connect to each other as people. And it's one of the things that, like, sometimes joy is hard to find. And being someone who can just walk into a room and people feel brighter, people feel happier, that's, like, peak, peak what I want. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Um, I agree. I, I feel kind of the same way. Like, if I were to pass, I'd want people to remember me as, like, someone they felt comfortable around mm-hmm. or I was able to make them happy or smile. So, yeah. Uh, I'm, also I one that... of those, I'm also one of those people who doesn't want a funeral, which... It's just me, but... Oh, no. I I, I hope that when I die, people remember me as like, oh, did you hear about that guy? Yeah, he, I don't know, ate a lion while it was alive. They were just fighting fist to cuffs. 
Like something stupid. You fought a lion and then ate it? (laughs) Well, we're eating each other. That's how I died also. (laughs) That was the end of me. It's how you died and how you lived. (laughs) Exactly. Like, like that was a dumb suggestion, but like something wild and outlandish. Something where people are like, really? That's a thing? I I want my my legacy to bring a a goofy smile to someone's face and go, huh, okay. You want to be that fun fact that someone brings to the party in 20 years where they're like, oh, did you know about this person who did this in 2020? Exactly. become an icebreaker. Exactly. I want to be an icebreaker fun fact. Uh, so. Wow. Wow, mine was less inspirational than everyone else's. So. Uh, we know that you do, do a lot of little things here and there, a lot of uh, projects, but what's a hobby that you have that you haven't turned into something else? Or are these projects your hobby? Like, is this what you do? So this is really like my big hobby that turned into a project. Um, besides that, I occasionally do art. I haven't done it in a long, long time, but I used to do a little bit of art here and there. I used to dabble. Um, I read a lot. Uh, I read less now than I used to, which is something sad, but I'd like to read more. Um, and then I truly watch horrible television. Yeah. Horrible television is such a hobby for me of just, ooh, watch this train wreck of a TV show and just see all the ways it went wrong. And I'm not talking like reality TV. I'm talking more like scripted television that has like a plot quote unquote uh for example supernatural uh love the show to death i started watching it when i was in high school or middle middle school been watching it forever and after the fifth season it truly just went balls to the wall the wild like and like the writing's so inconsistent there's loopholes with every rule that they give you. No one ever dies. And it's just one of those shows where you're like, ah, yes, there's no weight to anything that's happening in this show. None. You could tell me that a character dies. I could watch them be murdered and destroyed by a big, bad, evil person, and they will be back in three episodes. And it's... it's it's truly one of those shows where they're like, we're going to raise the stakes and then immediately undercut them. <laughs> Who cares? I remember when I was actually watching as they came out, like I'm currently watching the last season because I mean, it's the last season. Mm-hmm. But when I was originally watching, there was the time when Dean went to hell. And then the next episode of the next season, the very first episode, or was it Sam? Whatever. They just came back. They mm-hmm. both did it. Both times. Yeah. The it worst was... one. The worst one, in my opinion, the worst thing, they, thing that they've ever done with that is in one season, there is a finale where Dean becomes a demon and it's the finale of the season. And you're like, oh, my God, what are they, what's going to happen next season? He's going to go on rampages. He's evil now. Like he's legitimately evil. There's no way to stop him. First episode of the next season, he's cured. And it's like it is the <laughs> yep. biggest <laughs> bull ever you think that like if you like make a main character evil you do something interesting with it um there was this other show which also was kind of garbage but had an active fandom um called teen wolf 
which did something very uh fantastic <laughs> great someone else knows what i'm talking about there's the half a season where styles becomes the nogitsune and they spend the entire season on that and that is some of the most brilliant work that I've ever seen with making a main character evil. Because they kept the stakes, it lasted the entire season basically, and it was so heavy. Because you always had this question of, who's the villain, who's really the villain? And then when you found out, you were sitting there like, oh no. And then the rest of the show after that was truly just a mess. I still haven't watched the last season because after the one before that, I was like, I don't know what's happening anymore. I'm yeah. done. Yeah, that was the best season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought it up, and my like my cheeks hurt. I'm so I'm still smiling. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy that you you said that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite horrible shows. Like it's mm-hmm. it really is a a teen <laughs> drama supernatural show, and I love it. The thing is that like. It's it's one of those shows where like the supernatural element mixes very well with the teen stuff, because then you have other shows that try that and don't really do it well, or you have shows that just have the teen element and you're like, I don't know what's happening here. None of this makes sense. <laughs> For example, another CW show, Riverdale. I watched the first season and it was so bad that I had to stop. Like, <laughs> I love bad TV shows, but this was so bad that it completely went under the bar and I was like, I can't do it. I can't mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> My favorite episode from Riverdale is the episode where Jughead is like, I wear this hat. I'm weird. Have you I'm ever seen weird. this hat? <laughs> yeah. I'm weird. That's weird. <laughs> I've never so I've never seen this episode, but I've seen clips of the mm-hmm. scene. My favorite line is the scene where they're all in juvie or something. And Archie like looks at this big random dude and says, Oh, well, I feel bad for you. That means you've never felt the epic highs and tragic lows of high school football. And I'm like... <laughs> Trying not to scream, because that is the worst line I've ever heard in a TV show. Like, they're trying to be too relatable. <laughs> they're trying too hard to be like, this is this is the moment, this is the moment of our lives, and I'm just like, you're all 17, please. Uh. <sighs> yes. Sorry, you went so off topic. No. But that, no, that's fine. That, that was a topic. It was, you we know. We could just talk about CW shows and it'd be fine. Yeah, we're going to change the subject to CW yeah. television. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, basically, the next question was just, like, trying to lead into what we're going to be talking about with, like, are, do you, are you a big watcher of animes? Yes. Um, I have watched a lot of different anime. Uh, sometimes I find it hard to watch in the sense of there are some tropes in the shows that I'm not really a fan of. And uh, you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, specifically uh, creepy men and also a reoccurring theme in a lot of shows that I don't understand. Incest. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we actually looked into that while we were watching things. It was yeah, it, it like it's one of those things that I'm just like, why does this always happen in anime? I'm I'm not interested. This is not a comfortable topic or mm-hmm. a topic that anyone wants to see. Yeah, I uh, yeah same same issue. That's why some of my favorite animes have nothing to do with any of that at all. 
Oh. Like Fullmetal Alchemist, never sees it. <laughs> never see a lick of that. Oh, completely agree. And like, there's a lot of good shows that completely avoid it. But then some of the biggest shows have it in there so much. Like, I love My Hero Academia, but the pervy character who looks like Grapes is the worst character <laughs> in the entire show. He He's the worst. worst existing character ever. I'm glad. I'm just glad that in the show they acknowledge, oh, this guy's the worst. We all hate him. <laughs> That's the only saving grace. It's truly a character that if I had the option, I'd be like, we could write out this character and still have the same show. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah there's like no reason for him to be there. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's also shows like um, Seven Deadly Sins, where the main character is super pervy and yeah. consistently does like really gross stuff. And the girl character is just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, no. <laughs> No, this isn't okay. This isn't chill. This is bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's my little rant about anime and the things <laughs> that I really don't like about it. No, no that's, the... it's, that's chill. Um, in fact, when we talk about Yuri on Ice, there's a little bit of that in there that's a little weird. <laughs> yes. Okay, can we so... jump into Yuri on Ice starting with this topic? Because I have a lot of things to say about it. Uh, <laughs> sure. If you read, if you want to, the the last couple of things were mostly about uh, your focus on LGBT uh, culture and ideas, and uh, the, the 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 way that you've uh, rolled that into who you are, like your persona online, even is so uh, visibly LGBT. Like this is what I'm about, and I just wanted to ask, like, how important was that when you're you know going public with your life and existence in this way to make that a focus? So. I have a really complicated history when it comes to my sexuality and being out and things. And so being out online is one of the only things that I can do. Um, So when we first started Prison Pals, I actually wasn't out online. Uh, I deleted all of my old accounts and created a new account called Russ Wild, which isn't my, that's my chosen name. Um, and for about six months, I never showed my face. It was just a picture that I used that was drawn by our artist, Sam Miller. And it was just that. And I never showed my face in pictures, uh, when we went to PAX Unplugged. Anytime we took selfies with friends, I, we would take one selfie with me in them and one selfie with me not in them. Just doing like a peace sign in the corner or something. (laughs) So people knew I was there. Um... And it finally came around to the point where I was comfortable enough showing my face where I felt like, okay, I'm now in a place in my life personally where I know if something does happen, if people find out about this, I will survive. I will keep going. I'll make it through. And that's when I truly started showing my face, being proud of who I was and being completely out there. Um, Because the name Russ has always been connected to being out. It was just the face that wasn't prevalent um, until, I believe, January of last year or so. Um, so my first Pax and Plug was in 2018, so I think like January, February-ish of last year. I finally posted my face and started being myself on Twitter, really. That's really interesting, especially since I know that just <laughs> a few months ago you were at a convention speaking on like LGBT inclusion, like to yes. go from, well, I'm, this is, this is me, but like, we're not going to talk about that to, 
I'm here to talk about this specifically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was truly a wild change um, in the sense of the increase of confidence just in, like, my support community and, like, the people I knew that, like, if something did happen, I'd be fine. Like, it, it was just a fear that, like, I overcame with the help of the people around me. Mm-hmm. How did it feel being on the, the panel, by the way? It felt weird, but good, but also really weird. Weird in the <laughs> sense of, like, I'm sitting on a stage right now. People are here listening to me speak about things. Some of them were there to do that specifically. Yes. Like, that's... <laughs> and, like, the first panel I was on was the uh, Beyond Tolkien Queer and Non-European World Building panel that was run by Kika De La Rose. And I know for a fact that I was not the reason that that room capped. Like, the room was completely full. There was no standing room available. All the seats were full. And it was very, very academic, in a sense. Which is great. It's great to have academic panels and panels that are very educational. But it was a panel that felt incredibly formal. Like, it felt like a lecture you'd get in a lecture hall. (laughs) And then the second panel I was on was with the Demigods crew... And that was much more relaxed. And I loved both panels. Both panels were great. But the thing is that I felt I had more to say in the second one than the first one. So the first one I was kind of out of my out of my depth. And the second <laughs> one was very casual. And I was like, no, this is somewhere I'm comfortable speaking. I know these people are here for the fact that this is a very queer topic. And this is what we're talking about. And this is what we're doing. And uh, there's recordings of it, and it's it's truly a wonder to listen to and be like, oh, I sound smart. <laughs> I sound smart, and like, I know what I'm talking about, which I do. I've done my research. I've existed as a queer person. I know what I'm talking about. But being on the stage, you get a lot of imposter syndrome just being like, oh, I don't belong here. So that's one of those things that's that's just incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. I've... I uh, listened to the 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 pack or the reason panel, and I I was into it. I was enjoying the listen. Uh, but I got what you were saying about like imposter syndrome in general. Like, I've recently graduated with like a minor in sociology, and sometimes I talk about things in the show, or and I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. But then I listen to it when I'm re- editing. I'm like, I sound like a fucking twat. <laughs> what do I? <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's about time we talk about Yuri. Yes. Let's let's jump in. Let's. Uh, so we were talking about you know LGBT things and uh, some issues with anime. So what's the issue you wanted to bring up right off the bat? <laughs> let's get heavy with Yuri. <laughs> Creepy men. It is a repeated thing in this show that when I first watched it, I never really picked up on, or maybe I ignored it, or maybe I forgotten about it, and then during my rewatch. I was like, oh, wow, a lot of these male skaters are really creepy. (laughs) Um, There's one who's, like, pining for his ex-girlfriend, and his whole routine is about cursing her, then getting her back. And it's a weird power dynamic thing that happens that I'm super uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. Then there was another skater who basically 
don't know if I can say this. How not safe for work is this podcast? <laughs> Completely. <laughs> okay. You're fine. Go for There's it. There's another skater who literally <laughs> orgasms on the ice, which is just unnecessary and completely uncalled for. Yeah. And then there's a third skater who, like, Uh, is super protective of his sister. Yeah. And, like, they make it clear that it's not, like, romantic. But the insistent that it's, like, it's not romantic. It's not romantic, I swear. And then, like, how it all turns out makes it feel very romantic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. that was the one for me. Like, like I know the other two the other things all, a lot of the characters had their own issues in the one the orgasm on the ice. Like every time, every time every time every like, time I've... he skated, his last line in the skate right before he posed was I'm going to come and he, then he like is panting and heavy breathing and you're like did yeah. he? I'm pretty sure he did. Uh yeah. And like they're they're all had their that's all many issues. But the one that definitely got me was the sister thing where I was just like, This is getting so creepy, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he'd get jealous about other people and it was he'd just get jealous. Creepy. He had like the knight thing of like, I wanna be your knight, I wanna protect you from men always. And then there's also like the weird clip of them growing up together, which ends with like her as a kid like sleeping and then growing up into a full-grown woman and she has like a blanket sultry like placed right above her breast line and you're like i don't know what's happening here and it's super uncomfortable yes. uh. and it's really one of those things that i truly must have repressed when i watched it the first time i was like i don't want to think about that ever again this never happened uh. yeah yeah. It's like you, you block it out because <laughs> you yeah. like the show, but that part is just. Yeah. That part's no good. It's no good. <laughs> no bueno. So. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. When we saw this, we actually looked into it a tiny bit, and I'm uh, I'm going to say that I'm going to try to rec- just do a recall of memory, but I uh, don't know how well that's going to go. But I remember that when we looked it up, is that something along. What we read was something along the lines of that in Japan it's not really considered to be like a thing like they don't see it as like ah oh, this is a very sexualized thing it was more of a this is a representation of a different issue that we have that they have in Japan in which there's a level of closeness that's not romantic as far as they de- describe it mm-hmm. but that's a little more intense than what we consider here in, in the states and other parts of the world with uh boys and their mothers specifically mm-hmm. and that's due to uh, cultural norms of fathers working and family structures and all these other things but that in anime that's usually converted to the sister rather than mother due to just who the target audience is mm-hmm. and that's still just like i understand that that might be a thing but it's just it, it doesn't translate well i guess <laughs> see my issue is while that might be true for this anime there are too many other animes where that's not true. No, there are some that are just... Yeah. They're just trying to make it what it is. There's an anime <laughs> that was on Netflix that I watched like two or one or two episodes of, I can't remember. And <coughs> it got to a point in the first episode, or the second episode, I don't remember how I got up, but whatever, whichever episode I stopped on, <laughs> I stopped the episode in the middle of it and looked up the show... And, like, looked up the manga, looked up, like, what happens in it, and 
the reason I did that is because there's a there's like two characters, two main characters, brother and sister, who have magic or something in this world, <coughs> and there's a lot of scenes that like portray them very weirdly and very uncomfortably, and then I look it up, and I discover that at the end of the series, those two get married. Is it uh, No Game, No Life? Is it that one? I don't know. I think it was because called, like, an irregular at a magic school or something. Like oh, okay. That. Mm. And it was literally, like, the justification for it is that the main character, like, the male main character, the brother, has all of his desires except protecting his sister removed from him through some sort of weird magical process that happens before <laughs> the show starts. So it's Okay. okay. And I'm like, no. If, <laughs> marriage is not protection. Yeah. That's... Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah. there's just too many other shows that have that incorporated into it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some sort of show, which the show's really good, but the manga's horrible. <laughs> um, in the sense that the show stops before, like, stops, and then the manga kept going. Um, and what it is is that this man adopts his grandfather's kid after he passes, so it's kind of like his aunt or something, or like someone, the kid's related to him in some sort of way. Right. And he's like in his 20s, and she's like 8. Um, and How old was his grandfather? (laughs) I'm already like, oh no. (laughs) I have no clue. I don't remember all the backstory. I just remember one of my friends telling me, never watch this show, and me being like, okay, that's fine. It's already um, getting wild. And the show just kept going, keeps going, keeps going, and like they age up a bit, and she becomes an adult, and then they find out that, oh, they aren't actually related, and then he marries her. After having raised mm-hmm. her. And it's just Ooh. like... Yeah, that's not no. acceptable. Yeah. No. Uh. That's not okay. <laughs> I know we're not talking about Yuri on Ice, but like... <laughs> No, this is this yeah. is these are the types of tropes that happen in a lot of anime and a lot of mangas that make that seem like that's where it's heading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. This is incredibly relevant just because this is what anime does, and like I like anime, but I you, I have to find them. I have to search them out because so many of them have these just unacceptable things in them. On these commonalities that are just. I'm I'm not willing to let them pass, even if there are cultural differences or whatever. I'm just not okay with them. And then you have, like, weird power fantasy animes. Like, the main one I'm thinking of is Sword Art Online, which... Okay, I can tell from your responses (laughs) that both of you have watched it. Yeah, Um, a little bit. But for anyone who hasn't watched it and is watching this or listening, Sword Art Online is, like, one of those... Uh, animes where main characters get stuck in a game or something and have to fight to survive. And the main character, whose name I'm forgetting, basically falls in love with the most powerful woman in the game. And she goes from being a badass warrior to being his doting housewife. um, Who only does what he asks and only does what he tells her to do. And then it also becomes a harem anime in the sense that Every single woman he meets on the way falls in love with him, but he's still dating this one girl. But 
everyone else is in love with him, including his younger cousin. Um, yeah. And it just truly keeps going like that. And it's horrible. And it's definitely a power <laughs> fantasy because it's actually the author's self-insert as the main character. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. If you do some research, that's what the that's what like people have done like analysis on it, and it's the main character is a self-insert of the author for the for the light novels. Wow. And like huh. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's Oh, it's incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I I read it recently that there's another season somehow, but in this season, the main character, whose name I still don't remember, uh, is like put into a coma and he's just not there. And instead, it's a bunch of girls trying to bring him back to life, which sucks. But the fact that I'm, they put just immediately went, well, he's not in this one. I'm like, oh, so it's probably gonna be the best season. Cool. <laughs> no, I I completely agree that it's probably gonna be the best season if he's not in it. But I'm I not watching think, it. But I'm not gonna watch it either. But the fact that they have, like, 32 girls now fighting to bring him back, I'm just like, ugh, come yeah. on, please, something else. I, harem animes are the worst, to be honest. I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> it's legitimately just one of those things where you're like, this is not something I'm interested in, or something that's truly appealing. And I know for a fact that this is mainly supposed to be for the males who are straight who is supposed to be like <laughs> imagine having all these women fawning over you ooh i'm just like no uh yeah all right so i'm going to try and bring us back towards the jury for just a minute <laughs> just for a minute though <laughs> totally valid i will immediately derail you great so uh just a brief for everyone who's not aware Yuri on Ice is an anime, because we haven't actually talked about this at all, an anime, <laughs> <laughs> an anime about ice skaters, yeah. and the main character, Yuri, he's uh, a lovely kid who is, like, in his 20s, he's around our age, and he's off. He's 23, and then becomes 24 during the course of the the show. Right. Just because I took minor notes. <laughs> uh, and his... His uh, his plot, the, the story of Yuri, is that he is not a particularly confident fella, and he falls out of, out of the ice skating circuit because of that, and he loses and he has a hard time, until uh, Victor, his uh, interesting coach, shows up <laughs> and puts him back in the limelight and sends him into the trajectory towards, you know, championships and winning and victory. And, uh... And along the way, they develop a loving romance. And uh, sometimes it's a little weird, but sometimes it's funny. <laughs> it's a mix. Yeah. And sometimes it's really cute and just like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Honestly, when we first watched it the first time, I wasn't sure if it was going to go that way. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't sure if it was going to actually be a, a gay anime. Um which I was is... pleasantly surprised. <laughs> like I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, whenever I watch stuff like this, where especially with anime, I never expect it to actually be gay or LGBT or oh, anything yeah. like that. Because like, yeah, it, yeah, like uh, maybe like hint at maybe they're a little yeah, they, you know, they'll they will queer bait, but they won't actually give you the queer. Like they'll just <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's <sighs> the thing with this show because technically. 
technically, if you look at it from the standpoint of, like, what happens in the show and what they show, like, what appears on screen, it's technically queerbaiting. You never see an actual, like, moment between them where they're like, yes, we are in a relationship. Yes, we are dating. Which is very interesting. But then when you look at it again with the mindset of where it where it aired in Japan and like the stigma around being gay, then it becomes less of a queer baiting and more of a protection thing in the sense of when there is in one of the episodes uh, after the China Cup, there is a quote unquote kiss, um, which is still debated by some people. Um, whether it happens or not because (laughs) there is no actual visible connection of lips and there's an arm covering what's happening and you don't know what's happening and when they come back to them they're both laying on the ground and their heads are not touching they're like on side to side to each other but when it aired and when it like when this show aired because i watched it when it was airing i like me and my friend watched the entire show together and like were watching week to week um (laughs) when the show aired that was probably the most that they could do in the sense of the network it was airing the fact that it was airing in japan and like all these other things and because if you think about it in the sense of america with shows like steven universe uh craig of the creek i believe it is something like that Um, there are a lot of shows that have these queer characters who have had to fight to get any sort of representation. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that with Steven Universe, there was a big deal with Garnet because that's that's a very lesbian character right there, mm -hmm. uh, in which a lot of people were like, ah, it's not a big deal. Like they were more accepting of it because it was an alien rock with an alien rock. And it's Mm -hmm. like cool you did that and now it's acceptable also they're ladies because that's just what the gems are here we go and sometimes i feel like that's what you have to do to force the world to accept some representation is you gotta find the limit and then just go a little beyond it and a little more and a little more until eventually you get to have maybe another season of yuri where they're actually married Mm -hmm. and that would be the shit (laughs) I mean, that's the thing with... So, going back to Steven Universe, I know that's not the topic, but you have the episode of Ruby and Sapphire's wedding. And for that episode to exist, Rebecca Sugar had to basically tell Cartoon Network, hey, this episode is happening or I'm leaving the project. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, huh. (laughs) She's done most of the writing for the show she's done most of the songwriting for the show maybe we can't let her just leave with all her ideas hmm. uh, to have that power oh that must be amazing I know. <laughs> and then uh. like it's one of those things where like you just have to kind of push like you said push at the border and see how far you can go with what you have um so that's one of the things with Yuri on Ice that's really nice. And then, but there's still, it's open to questioning, but people who are queer and people who know the history know that it's not a question. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I know that for me, as far as I, as far as my understanding of it goes, my feelings on it, it was the first, like, 
really queer anime that I watch because a lot of the other ones that I've seen that are kind of in that vein or that have a little bit of that in them, the representation is just so, I don't know, twisted into either some sort of sexualization or like, or even a like a gag or a joke mm-hmm. that as far as here's an anime about a queer relationship and we'll see what happens and that's the whole show that's what it's about Mm -hmm. rather than like here's a show also here's this uh goofy gay character because that's what we do here or whatever like that that made the big difference to the point where even though they never really showed the kiss or whatever else i still accepted as like a big deal for me oh yeah agreed i mean speaking on that sort of thing uh like you were saying they either sexualize it or twist it or make it very tropey so, one of those is One Punch Man, with the character Puri Puri Prisoner, who is very openly gay, like, very clearly loves men, but is super sexualized, super uncomfortable, and, like, it, it's very predatory. And it's yeah. not treated as, like, oh, it's a gay character, it's treated as, oh, look at this creepy gay person who's a hero, but also a predator and creepy, and it's it's not good representation in any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. Yeah, he's the only one that is in prison. Like, mm-hmm. uh, That's part of the trope, though. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, with that in mind, like it makes Yuri stand out more positively to me, knowing, mm-hmm. remembering sort of the medium that it's in and comparing it makes it more acceptable and some of the the negative things that we mentioned earlier on makes it more of a well you know i'm gonna let that slide because this is important mm-hmm. i can see importance in this yeah. uh so i have a question for both of you mm. what was your favorite character uh i think yurio might have been my favorite <laughs> <The> angry russian <laughs> yeah he's just really fun mm-hmm. <laughs> Yurio is, like, really fun in the sense of just, like, he's such an, he, he's such an <laughs> asshole, but he really does care, and it's <laughs> funny to see that. Um, I mean, in the beginning, he's a little rough. In the beginning, you're like, ooh, you're really mean. And then you kind of start <laughs> yeah. to love to hate him, or just love him, depending on how you see it. Um... For me, that's a complicated question, because I don't really have a favorite in the show. Like, I like all the characters, except the creepy ones. Um, I think they're all great, and I love how everyone supports each other. I think probably, and this is going to be a weird answer, the triplets might be my favorite. (laughs) Just because of how over the top they are. And the fact that they're all named after skating jumps is so funny to me. Uh, I'd be so mad. (laughs) If I grew up and understood, I'd be so angry. (laughs) Like, they're just great comic relief in the sense of, like, they take this stuff more seriously than the actual skaters do. Like, it's great. They have to. They're named after it. <laughs> If they don't make this their life, then oh boy. And every uh. time they like they like have a skating match, they cut to a scene of the three of them on the laptop mm. and one of the parents is there like, What are you doing? Go to bed. It's three AM uh, They're the reason their their ice skating place is popping. They're mm. doing all the social media marketing. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. They did the viral video, they're the reason Victor is there, like 
Yeah, they <laughs> truly are the catalyst for the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have two favorite characters, one of which is problematic, and I'm okay with that. That's just who I am as a person sometimes. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, at the very beginning, there was that younger character who was like a really big fan of Yuri. And yes. uh, they competed to each other and eventually they lost. And you see him later on, like, cheering on Yuri, like, eh, I'm here to support. And it's with his very... family. Like, exactly. At, yeah. Minami. Yeah. It's so cute. I love it. I, I love that character because of the interaction that, that you get with Yuri, where it's like this guy who's a really good ice skater. He's very, he's a, genuinely a professional and his fan. And you see that for the majority of the show we see through yuri's eyes he's just a person he's a human being doing his business trying to do the, his best and he's worried and scared but then for just a brief second we see this existence this character through this other kid's eyes this fan who's like you're amazing i want to be like you and it's like oh this is an interesting dynamic of someone who's mm -hmm. so self-conscious <laughs> but there's people who need him who look up to him and to see that dynamic was really interesting yeah. i really and loved it you can see Yuri, like, doesn't understand at first mm -hmm. when the fan approaches him. Like, what? you're a fan of me? What? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I agree. That's like, he's a good character. And then Victor, like, gets mad at him and tells him, mm -hmm. like, how can you motivate yourself if you can't motivate others? Yeah. And then Yuri's <laughs> like, oh, crap, I, I messed up. <laughs> and it's, it's a good replica slash call to what Victor and Yuri's relationship used to be of because one of the lines that uh, minami says is i'm gonna catch up to you i'm gonna i'm gonna be on your level and that is what yuri consistently says about mm -hmm. victor and it's just seeing that same sort of pattern echoed across generations across like levels within mm -hmm. the show and it's really interesting that character but i'm interested in your problematic thing. <sighs> so you actually brought him up the the orgasming skater which is funny because um. normally i'm the one who likes the trash characters you do but... like trash okay <laughs> um so i understand he's problematic when i first saw him i was like ooh, but i i don't know why whenever there's scenes with him and victor together they're just so fun and i'm like this is i, I like this this is trash and it's ridiculous and they go to a pool in the middle of like winter and they're just like Hey, you want to get naked and take pictures? Hell yeah! I'm like, <laughs> what is this friendship? Oh, that's because they have they have chaotic, horny energy. That's like what happens between the two of them. That's, I love that. That's why. <laughs> that's why I'm all about him. I'm just like, oh god, this guy. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my problematic fave of the, <laughs> the Yuri world. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I disappointed you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as you weren't like, oh, I like the incest character. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I have another question regarding, like, LGBT representation and with uh, Yuri stuff. I know we're going close to an hour, so we're going we're gonna to try and wrap it up soonish. I mean, we spent, um, like, two hours on the beginning, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking at a time. It was, like, 35, 40 minutes. <laughs> uh so a big part of like what this show is about is representation as far as the way that i see it and a, bar a big part of like the work that you've been doing is also the same idea mm -hmm. 
But something that I've noticed that is also prevalent in this show, despite the fact that it is anime, so it's Japanese-oriented, and there's a lot of multiculturalism in this show because of the ice skating international things. But the main characters are still portrayed, despite it being an anime, because anime has its problem anyways, but the characters are sort of portrayed as, like, traditional cis white guys, even though that's not what they really are, and even though that's problematic in itself that's a thing the media does a lot where if it does have some sort of lgbt representation it's sort of here's what we want the representation to be this cut off and it doesn't show the rest of the bubble of lgbt so i would like to clarify that yuri is japanese like i, I know I'm not, that's not what i'm saying that's okay. not what i'm saying what i'm saying is uh, anime has this issue where it makes even its own main characters, uh, lighter skinned and fairer like that, they purposely make their their characters more almost whitewashed in a sense. And that's where we get a lot of other issues with uh, American adaptations that also do the same thing. And that has a lot to do with uh, cultural norms of beauty and standards in Japan and other parts of other uh, cultures over there. And that's that's a whole nother matter that yeah. I, i'm definitely not equipped to talk about i just know that it is an issue yes it is an issue that happens um especially with shows like avatar it's a big issue because a lot of people <laughs> see characters who are pale in that show and go oh they're white but they aren't they're representative of different asian cultures um i don't know the specific ones because i didn't memorize them unfortunately but that i know is a big example of that mm-hmm. um and then you have the adaptation of the horrible movie where they made the villain darker skinned and the heroes lighter skinned which is yeah. also problematic in its own way yeah um, but yes uh there's a lot of societal issues specifically with japan that would need to be talked to to develop, delve into like the whitewashing aspect of what happens with anime and the shows there um, more in the sense of the characters don't appear to be people of color rather than they aren't people of color Mm -hmm. um, which is an issue of itself that is a separate sort of issue that a lot of mixed people face and is a whole nother topic um yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of different intersecting issues, especially being Americans looking in on a cultural Japanese thing and not knowing all the culture things that happen there, and mm-hmm. only knowing about it through writing or reading or videos, that kind of stuff. Honestly, um, this is one one big ass powder keg that we're just kind of going for, anyway. <laughs> yes. So my thing is. What was the question? I completely lost what the question <laughs> yeah. was. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't think I did a good job of framing it either. It's just, what's your, how do you feel, like, both of you, honestly, about the fact that when there is LGBT representation, it's oftentimes sort of, like, limited to cis white individuals and not the entire spectrum of what is the LGBT plus community. Okay, so then I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to step away from anime and talk okay. about American media and American TV shows. Um, a lot of American TV shows have gay characters, but they're never the main character. 
Um, they're normally a throwaway of some sort, or they have some sort of bad trope that comes with them. <clears throat> there are, like, three or four tropes slash stories that gays are allowed to have. Um, coming out, dealing with homophobia, HIV, and bury your gays. Those are, like, the big four stories that gays are allowed to have. Um, in the sense of cis men and cis men gays. Um, and then that is the largest portrayal of queer identities and queer people is cis men with cis men. Um, which is in itself a problem. And that you get into the whiteness of it all. Where it is very milk toast, um, and it's very white. They don't delve into queer people of color and what it means to be queer and a person of color and the intersection of those identities. And then there's also the fact that they just never really go past queer men. Like, even if they do have queer people of color, it's just men. It's always men. And, like... <laughs> This is especially prevalent in in um, live action things rather than cartoons. Cartoons they delve further into other things depending on the show that you're watching, but a lot of shows will have just queer men, or and if they do bring up other people such as trans folks or lesbian relationships or bisexual relationships, it's troped. Um, uh, bisexuals are often portrayed as incredibly horny and they just want to bang whoever's nearest and that's it. That's their entire character arc. Um, trans people exist for the benefit of the main character to show how progressive or kind the main character is without really having their own story. And lesbians are truly just thrown in for the pleasure of males to be like, ooh, look at these two hot women being hot together. Ooh. And it's <laughs> creepy and gross because a lot of our media is written by, directed by, produced by, paid for by straight white men. And it is... A big issue, which is why you see such a push nowadays for representation, writers, directors, people paying for it in with other people. Like, just like think of Jordan Peele and the fact that he's been making horror films with black leads. Um, us, um, us is the only one in my brain, is, uh, <laughs> uh, get, get out, out. yeah. <laughs> uh, and the new one that's coming out, which I think is Candyman. Uh, he's producing that one, not directing it. There's actually a new director on it who is a woman. She's 29 years old. She's black and I'm forgetting her name right now and I feel really bad about it. But yes, <laughs> she's the director and I'm super happy that they have a woman director on it. And like, it's just being able to tell these stories, which even if you're doing your best and trying to write as a white person, trying to make stories that are more diverse without having someone there on the ground level, you'll always be imitating and not really pulling in from it. And I just realized I've been talking for like 10 minutes straight. <laughs> Please, Jess, give your opinions because I'm dying. No, no, I get it. Um, like, if I were to make a film, um, I feel like I'd want to have that diversity, but I'm... 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I don't have a lot of diversity in my own life, so I would have to, like, I would need help in, like, other people's opinions and, like, what they dealt with in their life. I wouldn't be able to... I didn't have that experience, so I would need someone mm-hmm. else who... Mm-hmm. I'm saying this really poorly, but I know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> you need, like, other writers with that experience. Yeah. And, like, stepping away from, like, media and entertainment in the sense of digital media, there was recently a book that was written about immigration that has received a lot of negative feedback because of the fact that the person who wrote it is not an immigrant. And has nothing, like, knows nothing about the culture and what people have gone through. And the main thing that I remember is that, like, people were mad about that. And then there was also the fact that they had a dinner for the book. And the centerpieces were barbed wire with flowers on it. (laughs) And it was, it's truly tone deaf. It is truly tone deaf. And the author has doubled and tripled down on the fact that this is definitely a racist portrayal and all the things that happen in it are really bad. Um, And it's super uncomfortable. Like, you just have people who refuse to listen or just think like, oh no, well, other people did a bad job, but I'll do a good job. I know what I'm doing. And it's like, no, talk to other people. Listen to what they have to say. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything to add as far as this goes. Like, I, I agree with what you what has already been stated. Uh, my my eyes brings to mind the fact that for so long, like a lot of our educational material, like when I was going through a number of different classes on like gender and uh, theories and other stuff, there's a lot that were just written by cis old white dudes, and I'm like, this is gonna be a great book. It's gonna <laughs> teach me so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even even in the medical field, you still have things like that. You still have horrible, horrible, like, racist beliefs, like, mm-hmm. that are in medical textbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, things about, oh, black people can take more pain, which is blatantly not, like, it, it's a racist belief. And, like, things about minorities of different races or ethnicities and like what they can do and how they're different from white people because white people are the best standard for everything (laughs) and oh because their skin color is this they can do this or they don't like this or they need this and it's just it's truly mind-boggling that even in the medical field it's still happening like Mm -hmm. the field that is meant to take care of people and keep them safe it's happened, and there's there's been studies on how the opioid opioid crisis has almost completely missed black communities because of the fact that doctors haven't been prescribing them to black people because they believe that, oh, they have higher pain thresholds. They don't need it. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll just prescribe, like, some Tylenol and some rest. And so, like, that is, this is a crisis that has missed a lot of communities who are marginalized because of the fact that, which is such a weird duality, like, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing, and, like, it's one of those, those occurrences where you're just like, this is truly maddening in so many ways, and I don't know who to be mad at besides everyone. 
I, I'm very angry. Like, yeah. I'm angry that it that you don't believe us, but also I'm happy that we didn't get prescribed opioids. But you did the you did it wrong. Yeah, but it did help us. Fuck you. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's truly one of those things that just like it's all over the place, and especially with the medical. Once again, I'm delving more into the medical community. Like there are just so many horror stories when it comes to that kind of stuff of disabled people and marginalized groups being treated differently than cishet able-bodied white people because of the fact that they are marginalized and people in power aren't aware of the power structures that they not only proliferate but support without intending to. Or sometimes maybe they do intend to. And that's the scary part. Yeah. I'm not going to get into it. I'll t- <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother That's a whole, whole nother thing. Like, the, the first thing that popped in my mind was like, and now Pence is in, in charge of curing the cor- uh, and coronavirus just, and the fact yeah. that they like removed the entire uh, pandemic response team from the White House in 2018. And the fact Literally, that no one is- knew about this until recently. And... So many different government organizations are just like, what are we supposed to do? Because no one from higher up exists anymore to tell us what we're supposed to do. Ugh, cluster. <laughs> We've gotten uh, super off topic. Incredibly. It ties in really well with your So <laughs> well. So let, let's, let's go to something real light. Uh, the animation in this show is beautiful. It's oh, yes. beautiful. It's so beautiful. It, it's... Like, the animation in the show is graceful, and there are moments where things, where if you, like, if you watch it from a, oh, I need to analyze every frame, you can tell that there are moments where, like, they definitely cheat the animations, or, like, proportions might be off, but it it's done in a way to give those emotions properly, and mm-hmm. it's so good. You watch <laughs> the same skates, like four times in the show and each skate feels completely different mm-hmm. yeah they definitely animate for the emotion and not for the technical skill mm-hmm. like it's not ah look at how look at how many like different frames we put into this two second bit it's look how this entire pattern feels i don't know sad or loving or tender and it's it's really good we were we were at beat ups a little while after finishing our rewatch, and we were watching actual ice skaters do actual mm. ice skating, and it looks surprisingly similar. Yeah, it's very smooth, yeah. very uh it's... it's very smooth, very elegant. Um, there are so many performances where you're just like, "Wow, humans can move like this." <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, uh, the the thing where they, like, bring their foot backwards above their head, and you're like, I don't know how you're doing that, but well spinning, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to make that as one of the the, the big markers that I really, have, like, liked about the show, mm-hmm. is that it's genuinely beautiful to yes, watch. it is. Uh, as well as the amazing intro song. I, I, oh, <laughs> it's, oh, my goodness. I could listen to that. <laughs> All day. <laughs> the intro song is not only, like, amazing choice of music, it also, like, the animation changes from episode to episode. It changes and becomes more complex and more detailed. 
and like there's more colors happening and it's truly just so lovely to watch it's like one of the only intros that i don't skip when it comes to animes Uh, yes (laughs) certain shows they get a skip like naruto because my first time watching trying to watch it i still have never finished it i watched 300 episodes and there's more than that i didn't even get halfway through oh we Um, have watched so we know I've watched 300 episodes, and I would watch the first new intro they did, and then I'd skip it every time until they had a new intro again. Just yep. because if I watched every single intro, that's a whole six hours I spent watching intros <laughs> collectively across these episodes. Uh, yeah, and they shorted them down. One of their one of my favorite. This is Naruto, not Yuri, admittedly, but there's a there's an intro that's just. We are fighting dreamers, and it sounds way better than what I just said. And oh yeah, that's the only one I don't skip. I like that one so much. <laughs> oh yeah, that's from that's from the first C C series, not the Shippuden series, but the yeah. original one. Yeah, when they're I, that's, kiddos. That's like the best one because I'm pretty sure that's the one that comes up during the Chunin exams arc, and the Chunin exams arc is the best arc of the entire show. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> Bru- uh, Lee just dropping his weights and kicking Kara's ass. Oh, most intense <laughs> moment of the entire show. Best moment. That's good. <laughs> yeah. We we stand uh, Rockley in this. I feel like you can tell if you're gonna like an anime based on just the intro. <laughs> <laughs> like at least fifty percent of the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're let's wrap up here, and I just want to get some final opinions from you know from the round table here. Uh, of if what you think this if how good of a job you think this anime did you know give it a number rating whatever you want to scale it and if you think it's worth other people watching if you think it's important and uh let's uh let's start with you with me with you okay sure (laughs) i did not plan this so (laughs) (laughs) all right um i really like yuri i think it's very heartfelt um it was the first anime that I watched that had like a more positive LGBTQ uh, existence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said earlier, everyone really supported each other, and I really liked that. I really liked that they weren't like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are together." It was like a, "Of course you're together. That's awesome." Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend it to people. I think it's, I don't know, very warm and. The animation's very smooth, the music's great, the story's great, the characters, even though some are kind of, uh, uh, (laughs) I do like most of them, and uh, yeah, I would give it 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, I don't know, it's it's high up there. Yeah. I don't have too many issues with it other than the weird incest and the... (sighs) Porny, porn, porn-esque uh, guy from Sweden. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you like to take your take on it? Give your sure. take on it. <laughs> um, so Yuri on Ice is very good. I would recommend it to people. Um, as I do with most of my recommendations, I would also mention, hey, there are some weird characters in there. <laughs> Don't take that as a judgment on me. I didn't write the show. Uh. Um, that being said, 
uh, it is a show that I would recommend to people just because it's beautiful. The story is really well done. And even if you're not there for the queer romance, uh, the story of finding your own self-confidence and believing in yourself is also incredible. There's a line that almost every single one of the skaters says at one point during their skates. Because during it, during the skates, you're treated to their own thoughts or the thoughts of people who support them. And the thought is always, I'm the only one in the whole wild world who can do this. And it's repeated, like the same phrase. They might say this might be more expanded, whether it's a certain thing, but the phrase, I'm the only one in the whole wide world who can do this. And that's such a big thing for me in the sense of if you have a project you want to do, go for it. Because you're the only one who can do that. Because you're the only one who has had your life experiences, your specific things and is in the right place and the right time to do whatever your mind is on. And so that's like the line that throughout the entire show, if you're not focused on the queer romance, that kind of sticks out for me. Um, I personally would give it nine pork cutlet bowls out of ten. It was really good. The subtraction is just because of the creepy characters. That's like the one thing that I have to subtract for. I can't just let it go, unfortunately. That's fair. Yeah. Uh... I I also think obviously it's a recommendable show not only because it's more far more progressive than the majority of animes that I've seen but because there's a message in it that is very unique to it and that's that Yuri tries so hard he tries so hard he doesn't win he doesn't get to that final point that he was going for and that's fine because his dreams, his goals, they change. They don't just become, I want to be the best skater. It becomes, I want to be with Victor. I want us to grow as people. I want us to become the best, whatever. And I think that's really interesting to, to see a character whose motivations and goals, like they're pretty much everything to them seemingly, but they change. They fail and then they grow and they become something different. And that alone give, makes me want people to watch it. Because that is honestly novel in anime where they don't just push forward. It's like, I will try again. It's like, no, you learn, you change, you adapt, you become someone new. And that I thought was lovely. So yeah, a solid 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, it was kind of, I thought the the storytelling was a little choppy for me. And if that could have been a little smoother, it definitely would have been a 10. But yeah. So yeah, everyone should watch this. <laughs> uh, so before we go, Russ, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like to mention? Your handles, Twitters, whatever. I don't really know what people say. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Russ Wildest. Um, you can find my show Prism Pals at Prism Pals. Uh, that's P-R-I-S-M, not prison. Prism. <laughs> Uh, I'll make sure to put the words up here somewhere <laughs> so people can find them. Um, yeah, so you can find our show there. Uh, I don't really have anything else to promote just besides uh, Pride Week when it happens in June. I believe it's the week of June 14th this year. Um, and yeah, if when Unbreakable comes out, because I forget when it comes out, I'll let you know <laughs> and you can buy that and play the game that I wrote, or at least the adventure that I wrote. Nice. Uh, that's really it for me. 
All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, it was no awesome. Problem. We would really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we hope maybe to see you in the future someday. Mm-hmm. Whatever stuff comes out in, in your projects, we'll make sure to post them up on Twitter and let people know Yeah, you do good work. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. No uh, all right. Well, uh, that's going to be it for us. Yeah. Goodbye to the world. Bye. Bye. <laughs>